is Derek, Derek, Derek. Diamond, Diamond, Diamond. Experience! Welcome to a very special episode of the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Diamond, and if you haven't yet, be sure to check out the previous episode where I had the pleasure of interviewing screenwriter and author Daniel Carey about his book, Screenwriting Tribe, as well as the Screenwriting Tribe workshop that he hosts every Sunday out in Santa Monica. Really informative conversation. If you're an aspiring screenwriter and you haven't checked out that episode, highly suggest you do so. It I feel so much smarter about the writing process after having that conversation with him. But for this episode, we're just less than two weeks away from Pensacon, which is an annual convention held here in Pensacola. Uh, It's going to be held February 24th through the 26th at the Pensacola Bay Center, but it really encompasses the entire downtown area of Pensacola. And the guest I have for this episode is legendary actor and upcoming Pensacon guest, Mr. Eric Roberts. And Eric has been an actor for decades now and has over 600 credits on IMDb, and he's still actively working to this day. And I, I, it's a, his work ethic is just an inspiration to me, seeing that you know after all these years that he's still having fun acting, he still enjoys it. And as you'll hear in the conversation, he recently did what he considers to be the most fun role he's had in his entire career. So it was great to get to pick his brain about how he got into acting, kind of the evolution of the film and TV industry since he started, and of course, his upcoming appearance at Pensacon. Uh, Eric is a guest that he's been on my wish list for years now. So getting the opportunity to chat with him was absolutely fantastic and it was an honor to talk with him and I also want to give a thank you to Julio Diaz from the Pensacon staff who helped to set up this interview and make it a reality so thank you Julio if you are watching or listening to this and thank you to everyone uh, for tuning in so without further ado here is my conversation with Mr. Eric Roberts Welcome back to the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast, and this week it is my honor to welcome legendary actor and upcoming Pensacon guest, Mr. Eric Roberts. Eric, how are you? Great. Glad to be here. How are you doing, pal? I'm doing fantastic. You know, we were just talking before we started that you know, as we're recording this, Pensacon is just under two weeks away, and it's it's because of the timing of it, it, it always throws me off because you've got the holidays at the end of the year. You spend January kind of getting back in the swing of things, and then next thing you know, it's like, oh, wow, Pensacon is here. So uh, I wanted to ask you, as someone who's been in the industry for you know a long time and you've done convention appearances before, what is it like for you to to meet fans who maybe have, you know, grown up with your work or have been a fan of yours for, you know, a a long time. Well, I'll be honest with you. It's an evolution because when, when uh, I'd only been 
been been famous for like 10 years it was one thing that then i was famous for 20 years it was one thing now they're famous for 44 years so it's completely different now it's like it's like kids walk up to me and they say oh my mother is so in love with you and 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 they mean it and it's nice and it also puts it all in perspective of where i'm at it's kind of fun well and it's awesome too because you know you you have the ability to to reach so many people through your work and I, I i always tell people you know whether you're an actor or you work in film or tv in some form of fashion you are reaching out to people and helping people in your own way because that's what's so great about movies and tv is you might have someone who is going through a rough patch in their life and getting to watch maybe something that you were a part of can be an escape or even a, a motivation for, for them to, to get into a better place. Good for you, pal. That's what it's like. It's, it's also nice that uh, when, when you're, when you're on the internet, everybody has an opinion of everything you have with you on the internet. So you, you realize that, um, that what you think and what you feel is only really this important. There's a lot of other stuff involved. And uh, the internet has made me realize that the uh, the world is a big, huge, personal place. And I never really thought of it like that up until the internet. And uh, in fact, I thought it was kind of the opposite. And uh, so, so I love this world. And uh, I love, I love, I love the fact that uh, I like, I like turn to my kids and they, 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 they take care of me during interviews. Hold on, Dad, you're not doing it right. And they, they uh, fix it for me. And, uh, but it, it's, uh, it's a whole new world right now. And if we handle it well, it will all come out okay because everybody will un understand everybody's boundaries because we all have the same issues. And uh, so uh, hopefully it's going to all, all end up a very happy story. I hope so too. And, and another advantage to the internet is, you know, if it didn't exist or technology wasn't where it was, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation right now you know you can be you know across the across the world and we could just almost have as close to a face-to-face -face conversation as you as you can so no it's 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 great um so uh, take me back to the beginning what was it that made you want to become an actor in the first place well when i was a little boy i had a terrible stutter it was so so bad i didn't even 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 speak publicly and uh when I would read in class in school, I would, of course, stutter and everybody would laugh. So it, it became a shame. And then I found out at about five and a half or six, I find out when I learn my lines, when I memorize things, I can talk without stuttering. So it became an exercise at first. Then it became it became a uh, a way to cheat personally it became fun oh if i if i learned this i can say it and uh, th then it became fun th then it became a skill then i started to apply it to everything and then i stopped stuttering so it it all it all worked out and uh but it took time and it took patience and it took what i what i grew up to uh, to do as a vocation it took it took acting in theater that's incredible i i had no idea that you know, you you had that kind of hindrance and acting in a way got you out of it. 
you know, because I, I, I know what you mean, because when I was growing up, I had severe social anxieties. And that's why I started podcasting to get myself out of it. You so, no, I, I appreciate that. So, no, I, I can definitely understand what that's like. And I, I think that's uh, it speaks to to your ability and your your will to overcome that and then to make it your your livelihood and the fact that you've been able to do it for so long and so successfully is, is such an inspiration, an inspirational story. Well, it, it's not as noble as it sounds when when you're when you're shamed, you uh, it it either drives you to become unshamed or it smothers you. And I was lucky enough that it didn't get smothered. Well, it's it's like a, a saying that I learned a long time ago and that, you know, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. So you, you had this condition, but you chose to overcome it. And then it, it blossomed into, into an incredible career. I was very lucky. I was very lucky because uh, so, 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 so many people don't, don't find their way out of their, of their, other difficulty. And uh, I just stumbled onto my way out. So I got very lucky. Absolutely. So you decide that you know, that this is fun for you and this is what you want to do. So how do you get your foot in the door and how do you start getting acting work in the industry? Well, let's, uh, let's back it up to I'm a little boy and I'm, I'm in a theater company that does eight to 12 plays a year. And I'm in four to six of them every year. So from the time I'm five years old till I'm 16, I'm doing five to eight plays every year of my life. So I, I, I have great experience. And uh, then I moved to New York and um, I get seen in a play at the American Academy of Dramatic Art. I get seen in a play by a woman named Marion Doherty, who discovered Paul Newman, Barbara Streisand, um, Robert Redford, et cetera, et cetera. Anybody is anybody from that generation. She discovered she got into films. She she was the casting director of the 20th century and who took her place with her age and her demise was Juliet Taylor, who is who is still casting, who is number one in the casting world. Anyway, anyway, Marion Doherty saw me do a play at the American Academy, came backstage and said, you have to come to my office tomorrow. Here's my card. She leaves. Okay. Cool. So I go to her office and she says, um, I'm not the one you want to talk to. I just want to get you here. It was her office. It was called MDA, Marion Darty Associates. And Julia Taylor, Gretchen Rell, Wally Nasita, and Bill Trash. They were her staff. They all grew up to be huge stars in all the field of producing and managing and all this stuff. So um she 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 was like their mother. Anyway, she uh, she uh, she brings me into her office. I mean Julia Taylor. Who who uh, who cast all the Woody Allen films? By the way, it's just you know one thing she does magnificently. Anyway, and uh, and uh, she says, you know what? You need to meet a friend of mine. His name is Bill Tresh. He's a manager. He handles Chris Walken, Sissy Spacek, Carol Kane, Melanie Maron, Tom Hulse, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He he uh, he discovered all of them. I want him to discover you. I said, okay, great. So I go meet him, and he talks to me, and he. Here's my background. And he says, I'd like to work with you. So, uh, and uh, he started handling me. I did, I did a few plays. Then he sends me up 
for my first movie called King of the Gypsies. I've been with him for about a year, all, all of 1977. Then January of 1978, I go audition for King of the Gypsies for a Paramount for a Frank Pearson who wrote and directed it, had an Oscar for a for for Cat Ballou, also wrote in Dog Day Afternoon, et cetera, et cetera, all kinds of stuff. Anyway, he was a big deal. And he screen tests me and he sees my screen test and he he tells Dino De Laurentiis, this is who I want. And uh, and Dino said he agreed with him and they gave me a movie career. And that's how it all started. I just I just fell into the right places. Who knew? And that's what you know, numerous actors and producers and directors have mentioned to me, you know, in all my time of doing the show is that sometimes it does take being in the right place at the right time. There's that the timing is very important when it comes to where you land and how you land in the industry. So it, it it's crazy that, you know, it just, it took that one person that said, I want to discover you. So how, how did that make you feel when, when he told you that? It made me feel lucky. It made me feel a dream come true. It was all just a starting point, but it was you know, the launching pad for me. So it, and I, and I, and I understood what it was even then I understood, wow, you know, this is my launching pad. Here I go. And, uh, and I was just in heaven because I was also, even though I thought much more of myself at the time, at the time, to be honest, I was just a country bumpkin who, who could act well. I was not at all worldly. I did not understand the world or show business or people. I just had a talent. And I was just lucky enough that the people who saw my talent at first were uh, were nice enough that they took care of me well. And they did. And that that's great, too, because, you know, you mentioned that you, know, you weren't worldly and you were still kind of figuring things out. And it's important to have people that will help you with those types of things. I, I did want to backtrack a little bit to your to your time in theater. Uh, did it help you as far as transitioning from theater to film? Do you feel like that was an advantage for you or did you almost have to relearn the process over for film? No, I I, I, I did not have to relearn it. Uh, it's all the same to me. Uh, it's all it's all moving people. It's all making people believe everything you're doing. And once you accomplish that, you've succeeded. And that can be film, stage, TV, whatever it is. It's just in the presentation that everybody believes it. That's 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 my only goal every day. Well, and that kind of goes back to your the the escapism that we were talking about is that you can watch say you play a character that people can get so invested in and it just it's great to see unfold you know whether it's on it's in tv or whether it's in film and there's also those wonderful circumstances that don't happen for everybody and when they do happen for people they happen you know one two three times in a whole in a whole you know career and that is there's an audition for a thing called Righteous Gemstones. I love the show. So I say, oh, I got an audition for this. So I do, and I send it in, and I get cast out of an audition. Who knew? It wasn't because I was Eric Roberts, because he had an audition, and he liked it. So I was so thrilled also because it was a character that I had in my back pocket that was based on members of my family. 
So I wanted so badly to play this character, and I finally had a place to. Oh my God, that 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 audition for uh, for Righteous is that character. I got to give them that, and I did, and they liked it. And that is such a dream come true, even even for us old guys. It's like, oh, I did it. Oh God, thank goodness. And you're so happy, and you're so quietly proud. And uh, that's what that's a show business when when you're working with all the right people, like a Danny. It can do for you. And um, that was one of the best experiences of my life. That was my favorite role I ever played because I've been holding that, that character in my back pocket my whole adult life. So I just love having the opportunity and having that uh, circumstance in order to do it. And that happens so rarely for us. So so I had one of those magic moments in my life last year. Well, and that's great too, because you know when you, you have a lot of people who they have this career that can span years and years and they can get complacent or there's really nothing more for them to do, or at least they feel that way with you, you know, after being in the industry for so long, you have what you say is your favorite role, you know, a, a year ago and, and righteous gemstone is a great show, by the way, it is so, it's so fun and so entertaining to watch that cast is incredible. I know. <laughs> so I, I think that's just such a testament that, you know, you're, you're still having fun with what you're doing. Kind words, but I know as well as anybody can, I have the best job on the planet as an actor. And I've seen the world half a dozen times for free. And and I and I've just I just I love every day. And not and not to be too, you know, la di da, I'm such a happy guy, but I'm not a particularly happy guy. But my 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 vocation and my work brings me satisfaction, which is my happiness. So so I've uh, I found a way to have my cake and eat it too. And I'm very lucky, and it is luck, that I have a marriage of like of thirty years to someone that I like. <laughs> That's uh, congratulations, by the way. That's especially in today's day and age when it seems like everybody gets divorced. You know to to have somebody be married 30 years is that's incredible. Thank you very much. Well, especially in show business because you're on the road and once you become, you know, recognizable, everybody offers you everything and anything. And if you want to get off the beaten path, you say yes to those things, but you know, you have to be careful because everybody wants to, it to be your friend and how they can do it is how they can do it. And so you have to be, have to be grown up. So you kind of have to grow up a lot when you get famous. Oh, I can imagine so. As someone who's been in the industry for as long as you have, what's been the biggest difference as far as like the evolution of the film and TV industry from where you started to where you are now? Well, when you had movie cameras and you had film and you had a sound department, you had this department, every department has a key, it was it was it was it was treated much more preciously. It was treated much more uh, uniquely, much more importantly. Now, because we've lost film, we have digital, so it's much easier. You know, the uh, the uh, the camera operating the AC's job is much easier. Uh, focus, though, the second AC is harder because uh, it's 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 a it's a very thin line between. Uh, Focus and blur now with uh, with uh, with uh, with the uh, the digital, so it's 
harder in that aspect, but it's actually much, much easier. So they don't have to really hire professionals and they don't, they hire kids. And, and so it's a whole new world now. And uh, the kids now who operate, you know, the cameras uh, couldn't care less who I am. <laughs> they, they're, they're just not interested. Yeah, he's that old actor that my mom likes. <laughs> and uh, and uh, up until really Dark Knight, and my music videos, young young kids who didn't 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 really care about me, and uh, and and now my wife and I were out the other day, and we had this little girl who's like eight years old, and, you know, come up to me and say how much she loved me in the Mariah Carey video, and she's so sorry I got left at the altar. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That that's got to be heartwarming when someone that young comes up to you and uh, recognizes you. It's wonderful. It just makes you because it also reminds you of being that age and how much how much you're in awe of like famous people. So so it's just it's just heartwarming. And that's actually an excellent segue into what I wanted to ask you next. Uh, so the the Dark Knight. Uh, growing up, I I was a huge fan of you know both Marvel and DC comics, and I, I consider there to be just a, a short list of comic movies that I think transcend that genre. And I think the dark Knight is one of them. Um, Cause I think you could take Batman out of it and it would be a very good, like crime espionage type of film. So what was it like for you being a part of that? And did you think that it would be, because it's still a lot of people's favorite comic book movie of all time. So what was your experience like being a part of that? Okay, let me let me let me give you the uh, the uh, journey of a movie geek who 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 had his dream come true. So, I auditioned for this part, and I auditioned for it uh, on a screen with 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 Chris Nolan. He's like watching it, and I just on a screen, and he thanks me. I do it one time for him. He thanks me. I hear nothing for a month, nothing for two months, nothing for three months. So. I didn't get the part. Okay. I go on my life. The fourth month. Hey, you want to be in that movie? You know, you know, Dark Knight? Well, yeah. <laughs> Come on, let's go. We're gonna make it in a movie. Okay. So, so okay. So um uh we 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 shoot all the Chicago stuff in Chicago, and they were supposed to go to Pinewood Studios. But that was a ruse. We're not going to Pinewood. They've 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 taken the old Zeppelin hangar, which closed down around 1919. It's three football fields wide, three stories tall, and they take the old Zeppelin hangar 30 miles north of London and they turned it all into Gotham City. And if you're a movie geek, which I am, you walk into that place. Oh my god, it's heaven, dude. It's Gotham City, every square inch of it. Streets and buildings and lights and stuff. Remarkable. And uh, I got to work there every day for months. And it was just so much fun. And it was such a dream come true and such a little boy grown up into the movie world suddenly all over again for me. It was just wonderful. And Christopher Nolan, it's an overused and abused word, so it sounds cheap now, but he is a genius. And he's just a cool cat. And he's got this really smart, groovy wife, Emma, who, uh, who uh, runs his show. And uh, he's got these two beautiful kids and he's just, he's just a movie geek who makes great movies. And it was just heaven for me, especially as a fellow movie geek to like, to like walk into that, into that Zeppelin hangar and be in Hollywood. I mean, really Hollywood. It was so cool. 
I, I'd love to see some, if they got a time lapse of that being constructed, that would Wouldn't be incredible. To see. Oh, um, that would be incredible. I probably would have fainted had I had I walked in there because that that's that's just so incredible. And I, I think the, you know, like the art department and the, the set designers really don't get enough credit for things like that as far as from the the visual standpoint, because everybody talks about the directors and the actors and sometimes the composers. But it, it's people who are in the trenches like that, too, that really make movie magic happen because it's okay. the oh, go ahead. I'm so glad you understand that because it was breathtaking. Even now, when I look back on walking in there, I like, go, oh, yeah, it was just so cool, dude. It's unbelievable. And a lot of people or casual movie fans may not realize that, and I use this analogy a lot, is that a film is like a giant machine. And everyone from the director all the way down to a PA are all cogs in the machine. And they all have to work together to make We're the machine work. really but the director, he's the arm you're turning the collar. You know, everybody's a little piece of it, except for him. It, it is it is a fascist system. He is the dictator, and then there's everybody else. It is his image, his 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 dream, and you follow him. I'll have to add that to my analogy now. I never thought of that. The director's the the arm that turns the machine. That's right. I love that. Boss man, he's yeah. our mother. Absolutely. So you mentioned your, your role in uh, Righteous Gemstones being the most fun of your career. Um, what was the most what has been the most challenging role you've had in your career? That's a very easy answer. Uh, it's Star 80, Bob, Bob Fosse's last film. I played Paul Snyder, who's who's the husband of uh, of Dorothy Stratton, who killed her. And uh, I play him, and it was not a likable story. It was a true story, but it was not a likable story. It was not a likable person. It was not a likable end. It was upsetting, but it was Bob Fosse. So uh, I I did everything I could to uh, come to his attention, and I had to audition five times, and uh, then he gave me the part. And that, but that shows that you really wanted that part. To oh, be willing to audition five times. Well, well, I just I just got called back you know, four times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But but uh yeah, it's Bob Fosse. It was one of the one of the incredible filmmakers of the 20th century. Absolutely, yeah. No, that that's just such an amazing opportunity that I'm sure if you had to audition ten times, you would have done it. Sure. He was so good to me though. He was a special man. Absolutely. So um, as we start to wrap up here, uh, I did want to ask you uh, what's next for you as far as because um, I know you've you've been working so much and it seems like, you know, I check your IMDb and it's like something new pops up for you every time I look at it. So what's um, what's next for you? Here's what happened with me when they when they took film, uh, everybody became a studio who had their own their own their own like camera. So they started calling me direct. And then like suddenly my, my wife turns me one day and she says, Eric. We're getting like 30 offers every day from all over the world. Do, do you want to go pursue this? And I said, are they offering money? And she said, some are, some aren't. So what do you want to do? I said, I want to see the world for free. She goes, well, you can sure do it on this ticket. So, <laughs> so, so then we, uh, we uh, went around the world basically twice together. 
and making all kinds of movies. And then, and then, and then, and then she got tired of the travel. So she stayed home and sent me on my way. I went around the world again. And, uh, and uh, then, then, then actually came Righteous Gemstones. And uh, so that, 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 that put a halt on a, on a lot of the movie making for, for most of a year. And, uh, but that experience with those people uh, was just with Danny, with that group, with those writers, with those directors, with that, with that location, with that character was my favorite job I've ever had in my 44 years in film. You can just watch an episode of that show. And I, I think that set has to be so fun with that with that cast and that group it's also not out of control fun it is very focused it is very cool it's very smart they're a smart ass group and i mean that every possible positive way they are a smart ass group i love them and they're also very kind to each other which is so important when you're under tv pressure because that's a big pressure it's all about time and money go 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 and uh they're cool peeps that's fantastic to hear. Uh, what advice would you give uh, to an aspiring actor? Well, one piece of advice. If it's only one piece of advice, it's treat everybody you ever meet like they're going to be your boss next week because they might be in show business. And anyway, it's the best way to be polite anyway. There you go. Yep. It's never too important to be nice. Of course not, especially in show business. Because we're all lucky to be here, so we all have to have to be polite. <laughs> uh, do you have a website or social media that you'd like to plug so the viewers and listeners can follow you? I'm on all the stuff, Twitter, Instagram, Eric Roberts. Uh, but uh, if you want to go to my website, go to ericrobertsactor.com. Fantastic. Well, Eric, it's been an honor to chat with you and get to hear your career. And I'm excited to uh, meet you coming up at Pensacon. You have been lovely and charming and I love your background, dude. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Got these oh. off of uh, off of Etsy. That's cool, man. I really like them. No, I appreciate it. Thank you once again to Eric Roberts for that awesome conversation. It was an honor to have him on the podcast and I can't wait to meet him in just over a week at Pensacon, which, as I mentioned at the top of the show, February 24th through the 26th. Just head over to Pensacon.com to get your tickets and see the amazing guest list that they have for this year's convention. And they've had some great guests in the past, but I truly believe that this is the best lineup that they have ever had. So should be a really fun time. The Derek Diamond experience, in a way, is going to be at Pensacon as well because it is the return of the Defending Bad Movies panel that will be held Saturday, February 25th at 1.30 p.m. at the right place, room number three. If you're not able to make it, I will be recording the panel for this podcast and it'll air in a couple of weeks. For this Monday show, I'll be chatting with another Pensacon guest, legendary author Kevin J. Anderson will be on the show to talk about his illustrious career and his upcoming appearance at Pensacon. But until then, just head over to linktree.com slash ddiamondpodcast. It's where you can find all the subscription information on where you can download the show, where you can find the link to the YouTube channel, as well as all forms of social media that the show is on. Head over to linktree.com slash ddiamondpodcast, and you'll find everything there. But that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you once again to Eric Roberts, and we'll see you guys back here on Monday for another awesome episode of the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast. Podcast.